now eight days away from oh. the NFL draft and Fendrick is in the middle. Hey, I'm here. And he's engaged. He's Thanks, engaged. Chris. Yeah, congratulations. Thanks, guys. I appreciate that. How did you do it? You throw our football that had a ring on the inside? That's what I did. And I said, we're moving to Tampa. We got in the car and we headed south. <laughs> oh, That's what we did. <laughs> That was, it you was didn't really go to Tampa, did No, you? I didn't go to Tampa. That's what you did. Uh, yes, I mean, I did. You were like, I yeah, my engagement story was the exact same as Chris Sims. <laughs> no, no. mine was throw the ring on her lap and make the flight arrangements. Yeah, I didn't do that. Yeah. I didn't do that. Oh, your phrase was make the flight arrangements? Yes. We had some... <laughs> I thought it was, we're headed to Tampa. No, this was some uh, young Chris Sims. <laughs> Stupid meanness. Sorry. I was slightly more calculated than that. Slightly and more gentlemanly. And I tried. Yeah. And I, romantic. Yes. yes. Yeah. All of the above. Ro- romance was not abundant in your engagement? Well, no, it was not. I, I uh, That's okay. I, I was not a very good start of the marriage husband or boyfriend or I guess I'd like to fiance. know the most romantic thing you've ever done. Well, every day is a romantic day in your household, right? Well, I mean, except yeah, for Valentine's Day, exactly right. Yeah, That's but what's it. the stereotypical romantic? I don't know. I think like anniversary one year in Tennessee, I took her on like a picnic. Ooh, and wow. like had a like got takeout food from a place and got it all set up. <laughs> Red right. and white checkered so blanket on the came, ground, right? That kind of whole. Oh, I love that. I did do That's that. Good. That was probably about as good as it got for me. <laughs> I might steal that idea, too. Yeah, I might do that this weekend. Yep. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Uh, uh, we have a lot to get to. We're going to have Peter King on the phone for a little bit. Wasn't really feeling great. Couldn't come in. But we, I have a lot to talk to him about. Mainly, how do you navigate the rumors in the next eight days? Because yeah. my phone with the BR app, every Blowing the up. Patriots are looking at Josh Rosen. No, yeah. They're all popping up right well, now. You're connected I, to the mothership. I mean, you are Spock right now. Captain, Captain <laughs> Spock is here. You are batting a thousand. I wear this shirt. Spock jokes come out. Uh, I have an awesome theory about what the Browns should do. Ooh, the mothership sent me an, uh, an alert. An alert. Sims, about the Patriots. <laughs> Sims has a jam-packed draft notebook. We're going to get into rumors that he's hearing about the Broncos, the Browns, uh, the top five D linemen that shouldn't be top five, the top f- the D linemen that should be top five, and we're going to go and break down Shaquem Griffin for the first time. He just watched the film, yeah. yep. so we have a lot of draft stuff to get to, and maybe, just maybe, Phil Sims picks up the phone this week. I hope and we so. Can he ask better. if he got at least one minute of sun. The Over bi- under one minute of sun. Oh uh, yeah, yeah no, the big blowhard. I know he did. Yeah, he he seemed like he had a good time. Really? He, yeah, he, he said he did. All right, good. I don't know. We'll see. It is the number for this Wednesday is sixty-two. Sims. Sixty-two. We're gonna do it like this. I'm gonna say the team, and you tell me who on that team is sixty-two. You were very good at this for okay. sixty-one. Yes. Buffalo Bills. Guard. Oh, I was going to say the center would, but mm, no, who is it? Go ahead. Vladimir Dukas. Damn, wouldn't have got that. Go Minnesota. Ahead. Minnesota, damn it. It's Mitch Berger's not 62. It's Nick Easton. Damn, I knew it was one of those Over three. Two. They're all the, like the same. Minnesota has these three interior offensive linemen. They literally look like they were like white guys cut, cut out of like a cookie cutter. Yes. Like they had the same body. Patriots. Or, the Patriots. 62. Damn, I'm really crapping the bed here. Hold you on. The center one. is not 62. NC State. Oh, it's Thuney. Joe right. Tooney. Tooney. I was going to uh, go with him. And then, Eagles. Eagles is Kelsey. Yep. And then the Bucks. 
Oh, the Bucks. Starting guard Evan Smith. Evan Dietrich Smith, right? All right. So, man, so, I was not good on that one. That was rough. Yeah. Uh, you got Kelsey, though. Uh, so, Hall of Famer, <laughs> Miami center guard in the 70s, Jim Langer. Right. Uh, Atlanta offensive lineman Todd McClure for most of the 2000s. Guy McIntyre, three time Super Bowl winner for the 49ers in yeah. the 80s. Right. Marco Rivera for the uh, Green Bay Packers, who's a three time Pro Bowler. Remember Adam Timmerman? On the St. Louis Rams, two-time Super Bowl offensive lineman sure. for that greatest show on yep. turf. Uh, Jeremy Newberry, center for the 49ers Damn. back in the 2000s. I just remember all of these guys from Madden. Not a lot of That's good That's how I remember these Not your number. And then no. Dan Neal, the guard from the Broncos right. back in the 2000s. Yeah, Dan Neal. Not a great... There's a Hall of Famer, Jim Langer, but other than that, 62's open. It really so is. So Saquon, pick up 62, <laughs> blow it away. Um... I caught Russell Wilson's show last night. Oh yeah, yeah. And I mentioned it to Sims. Was it the got, first episode? I don't know. It was yes. cool. Yeah, so he did I saw one with Mason Rudolph and then one with uh Saquon Barkley. Right. And I was like, Sims, did you catch it last night? And he was like, It was the worst thing I've ever watched in my entire it life. It was horrible. <laughs> I, I couldn't give it much time. I mean, I watched the preview the night before with Saquon. I mean, it's like I don't even know what to say. It's not even like real talk. It was like, let's two guys and we'll we'll just talk about how cool we are we'll together. We'll just talk football. I, I Trade advice. I enjoyed it. Did I you? En- well, I went into it and I went, I'm not going to go, what would Gruden do? Because right. it's not that dynamic. Right. Gruden was must-watch TV because he put those rookies on, like, on nerve. And you didn't know what he was going to do. Yes. The thing about Russell is he is such... Like, when I talked about people in, like, philosophy, he is, like, one of those guys where you're like, you don't really talk like this, do you? And he'll sit there and he'll go, listen, in life, bad things are going to happen, and it's about how you respond. Like, it's just constantly reading, like, calendar quotes. But you hated it. One, I felt like that's what it was. You're right. It was just, like, coach talk all the time. And, again, I like Russell Wilson. It's not against him. But, yeah, just the show itself was a little disappointing to me. Certainly not on the same level as Gruden Camp. No. Not even not in the even same. Close. Some of the things I thought was interesting, He during the, the regular season, he swims every Monday morning. That was something I learned. Right. And I was like, Get the soreness out. That's a really interesting thing that mm-hmm. I haven't heard any other NFL player talk yeah. about. Some teams um, do that. Like, even in the summer and, and training and, and, like, the spring. Mandatory swimming? We would have a workout. It would be like a – it wasn't mandatory. It's a be weightless like, exercise. You can come Friday, and we're going to have this exercise set up for you, and there's yeah. going to be coaches there, and we're going to have a little workout. But it's just a good way to get a little exercise in and not kill yourself, like I, you said. I thought also uh, the Mason Rudolph one. Right. He interrupted Russ Wilson so many times yeah. that I was like, dude, he interrupts. And it made me self-conscious about me interrupting you. Yeah. I was like, is that what it sounds like for me? <laughs> and I was like, I would never draft a, a Lefko. Don't, don't ever even, draft a I don't Lefko. even know it. I don't even notice it anymore. Yeah. I really don't. It's like, maybe it's ingrained in my DNA After four now. years, you've just gotten <laughs> yeah, used, to used to it. Exactly right. Uh, and then the last Mason thing- Rudolph, that's another one, too. I mean, again. Oh, I, I thought You were the first person I thought of. I went, look at his body. Well, I mean. I was like, this is not. Like like Josh Allen, like Mason well, Rudolph, if I took my shirt off and Mason Rudolph took his shirt off, it's a competition. He was Ooh. never in the first round until the Patriots had him up for a visit. And now he's in the mock draft. Like, there's no – if Mason Rudolph goes in the first round, I will I will get on my knees and kiss your feet when we're doing the live show. I promise. Yes. I mean, there's, so let's get that down. Grade. Oh, what? I mean, that's going to be yes. If you draft him, he w- – yes, yes. He Man. wouldn't even have been in the top six. He wouldn't be the next six or seven guy for the me. The one thing, though, that I really took from the Russell Wilson show was the Saquon episode. Yes. And – 
just seeing Saquon next to Russell Wilson yeah. and realizing that they, I don't even think they're the same species. And Russ going, I've never seen a football player built like that before. And then Russ is throwing him rockets and he's one handing catches out of the backfield. Russ called him a freak. He goes, this kid's a freak. And for me, I think Russell Wilson's a freak. Yeah. And for a, for him to call that to Saquon. Freak on freak crime. I left and was like, I oh my God, Saquon's incredible. Yeah. Like that's what I took from it, but I agree. Like, I don't think I could watch five episodes of Russell Wilson doing that, yeah. but I appreciated it for what it was. Sure. But he's definitely not a giant. Yeah, rude. that's probably why I didn't like it much. I was just expecting more. And I'm not gonna I, you know, that that kind of talk, I've been around that kind of talk my whole life. So I understand maybe how yeah. some fans and everything like it. I'm not trying to downplay that. It's it, just, yeah, it was a lot like when you go through something yeah. tough, it's important that it, right. you call it a gap play and you let it go. And for someone like you, it's like, yes. dude. I've had those conversations nine million times in my right. life. Right. Um, all right, so I'm going to give my Brown theory before we call Peter. I don't right. know. I think we got to call him first. Well, let's call Peter then. Right. That's kind of Peter King. He's Get him a little line. more of a big deal than you, Spock. Sorry. You think so? Just a hair. The Spock episode of the podcast. The Spock. Number 62 is Spock. No, I, I've worn this shirt many times. I know. But I you still can't get like over it. it. I know. I love it. I'm a firm believer that when people comment on your clothes, it means they like them. Yeah. Uh, okay. Sure. Like, if I didn't like his shirt, I'd be like, how about that shirt? <laughs> Great long sleeve. Really. Fashion trendsetter uh, today. He's got some pep in his step. Pep, pep yeah, in his... Oh, hello. Hello. What's up? Nothing. What's up? We're on the podcast yeah. right now, so don't say anything, you know, <laughs> crazy there, Peter King, okay? Don't I, I don't have anything crazy to say right now. Darn it. Okay, fine. How you doing, I'm just man? Sitting here, I'm just sitting here imitating Tom Brady, having some vitamin water zero. Oh, uh, <laughs> nice and clean. Got, I don't know. Oh, yep. The, that, I've that. got the A's and the White Sox on the TV in my office. You guys are so excited about that. Yes, A's and I can't even get into baseball yet. I can't even like watch the Yankees, who are my favorite team. I can't well, even do it. You know why you can't get into baseball? Don't right do now? it, Peter. Because, no, I'm just telling uh. you because the NFL figured out a way to ridiculously captivate everybody on the planet for four months by endless, stupid, idiotic, worthless debates. <laughs> about whether Josh Allen deserves to be picked 1 or 41. Mm. I mean, it's just, it's all, it's all, this is, this is really not sort of the NFL that I signed up to cover, really. It's just, it's insane. It's just, this whole thing's insane. I was going to ask you, so I I think these last two months, it's a lot of swirling rumors. I never know what to believe. These next Neither eight days, I. yeah, these next eight days are those last two months on steroids. And I was going to ask you for advice on how to handle this, but it sounds like we both need advice. I, I Look, I wrote as my haiku the other day, believe one in every 50 things that you read, you know, and, and or you hear. Because, look, the bottom line is, uh, I say this to people all the time, in the, uh, in, the, in the football world, the way I explain to people what has happened to the football world is that in 2000, when I went to cover the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis, uh, I had an hour and a half lunch one day with Plexico Burris, who really didn't have much to do. Uh, one of the days he was in Indianapolis, and... There was 15 or 20 reporters there covering the combine. Um, last year, I don't know what the number was this year, but last year there were 1,243 credentials issued for the press at the scouting combine. Man. 
so I'm just uh, I, I mean I'm I'm just basically saying that that we are in an era when uh, you know at the end of February instead of everybody getting lives, <laughs> he is listening to absolutely worthless pablum from coaches and players and and GMs, you know, just kind of promoting the NFL. It's I don't know I I. I I, I hate to be so negative about all of it, but really nothing happens really between, uh, you know, say January 5th or whenever the last college game is played and April 26th, and yet we make it the most exciting season in the world. If you ask a Cleveland Browns fan, yeah, you know, if you ask a Cleveland Browns fan, he would tell you that April 26th is more exciting to him than October 26th. <laughs> and that's, yeah. that's, that's a, 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 honestly, it's just a little bit sad. Yes, it because is. Because it means that he has absolutely no faith in his team to ever win. And so the chase has become the favorite thing for the Cleveland Browns instead of the actual getting somewhere. It's like, it's like I've heard Browns fans say, okay, let's take Barkley at one. We don't love any quarterback, so let's trade the fourth pick again. Stop trading yes and start picking yes enough enough yeah Yo, i i like that you just ranted on that whole topic because it's something that uh both lefko and i here go crazy with at time just these stories that are not really stories that come to fruition but this is where like i want to just hit on something you said because all right first of all you are peter king you're yep. the man you've the been king that you've been around forever your connections are you know top of the line exactly right around the nfl i just for you personally how do you balance out what to believe with some of your personal relationships this time of the year? Do you know? Yeah, because if a coach st- tells him something and he reports it, right. it's a shockwave. Right. So, like, how do you balance, you know, the coach, the GM you might know, the agent you might know, and how to kind of maybe process or connect dots with all the information they give you? I think things have changed massively in the last, say, uh, I don't know, 10 or 12 years. On my. On my podcast this week, uh, I've got Ernie Corsi. And so what I did, I wanted to do something different this week. And this is a long-winded way of answering your question, but you'll get it after you hear about this. So on my podcast, I, I basically I sat down with Ernie Corsi last week uh, in his apartment building in Manhattan, and we talked for 50 minutes. Right. And so he, for those who don't know, so of course he was a rookie general manager with the Baltimore Colts in 1983. That was the huge quarterback draft, the Elway Marino, Ken right. O'Brien, you know, Jim Kelly, Todd Blackledge. That was, that was the huge quarterback draft of 1983. And then he was also the GM of the Giants when the Giants picked uh, well, they they ended up picking Philip Rivers and trading him to for Eli, uh, you know for, for for Eli Manning to San Diego, but but anyway, the point I was going to make is that so you know this is a weird way to look at this, but but Ernie Acorsi basically explained in both instances all the little wins and all the little factors that buffeted him on the way to making his pick, and in two thousand four. Uh, I actually was part of the reason why the Giants ended up with Manning in a very weird way, and I'll explain to you how it happened and how it would never happen in a million years today, I don't think. Right. But um, in 2004, the Chargers had the first pick in the draft, 
and everybody knew that Eli Manning had said, I'm not paying, playing for the Chargers. And I kept hearing that the Chargers were going to pick him anyway. And I called somebody who was close to A.J. Smith, the general manager of the Chargers, on Friday. And I said, what's going to happen tomorrow? The draft was on Saturday morning. I said, what's going to happen tomorrow? And this person said to me, uh, I think A.J. is going to pick Eli Manning at number one. And then when the Giants are on the clock at number four, he's going to call Ernie Acorsi and try to make a deal. I said, interesting. Mm. And I said, are you sure? He goes, I'm pretty sure, but, you know, we'll see. So I made a round of phone calls that day. I, I didn't hear this anywhere else. And so I called every team at the top of the draft uh, before the draft just to find out what was going on. And I called Ernie Acorsi. And I said, hey, a word to the wise, I think you might be getting a call from A.J. Smith, um, you know, during your pick. And at the time, Ernie didn't think he would be getting that call because A.J. told him, uh, I'll call you this week, I'll call you on Friday. Right. And he never he never called him. So thinking that there would be a deal done before the draft started. Yes. Right. Yeah. Right. And he said, and, and so Ernie said he never, he never called me. So I just figured it was over. Mm. And so, and so I just, I planted that seed in his head. And so I asked him this week on the podcast, did that have anything to do with what happened on Saturday? He says, yes. As a matter of fact, it did because I am always a guy who doesn't waste any time when I'm making my pick. And at the time, when they were picking four, they weren't going to take Philip Rivers. They were going to take Ben Roethlisberger. Right. Or they were going to take a trade with Cleveland at number seven. But he told me, I doubt I would have done that because I feared somebody jumping up and getting Roethlisberger. Turns out Roethlisberger didn't get picked till 11. But anyway, I think the Giants would have just sat there, picked Roethlisberger right away, and went on their merry way. But he said, because you, you had given me that little heads up, I said, well, who knows? We should wait. Maybe A.J. will call. And he said, I'll give him a few minutes. So at the seven-minute mark, his secretary, Janice Gavazzi, yep, Janice, said, yep. uh, Ernie, uh, A.J. is on the phone. And so they made the deal in about six minutes, and the rest is history. But uh, my, my whole point of telling you that story is not to say, gee, what a vitally important guy I am to the history of the NFL. Well, you are, but go ahead. That, keep going. Yeah, <laughs> it's simply to say that times have changed. And I don't think, like right now, in my, this is just my opinion. Yes. I don't think John Dorsey is telling a soul, even people on his own staff, here's exactly what I'm going to do. Right. Because he doesn't want anybody to, to find out so that they can, uh, you know, so that, so that he can maybe get one-upped or right. he decides to trade. I mean, he just wants to be able to use all that power uh, and so he doesn't want anybody to know what he's going to do. And so right now, just my opinion, I don't think there are many people, if any, in that organization who know exactly what Dorsey's going to do. There's, well, I, I just, I just think that's it. So, I mean, you, I was going to say that for later, but Sims is hearing that. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard, <laughs> I, I've, I heard the same thing and we were going to talk about this at some point, but to, yes, that I, I was told that he's not going to, he hasn't told anybody what his plan is at number one. And he wasn't even going to tell the owner until the night before the the draft. So that, that's just, God, God forbid he talks to a homeless person. It's yeah, it's good. It's good to hear you say that, <laughs> but wait, so yeah, yeah, you don't think 
in this day and age, even with somebody you know as big time as you and everything, it's just the current media landscape. You don't get those private conversations with maybe the people you used to that you're, you're that they just don't trust trust the media anymore. No, I think it's that I'll go back to Jacksonville taking Blake Bortles. Uh, Mike Shanahan taking Jay Cutler. Yes. Um, they they feel like uh, I'm not going to tell anybody, mm. and I'm literally not going to tell anybody. Mike Shanahan didn't tell a soul till an hour before the draft. Uh, I'm not sure that Dave Caldwell told anybody until right before the pick. And And his reason is that, you know, these walls have ears. And he doesn't know deep down who in his organization yes. or whether his owner, you know, has, uh, has a buddy, uh, you know, at ESPN or something like that. He, he right. just doesn't know who everybody knows and who everybody talks to. So to just ensure that nothing is going to happen, and this is I, – Bill Belichick does this. Everything is done on a need-to-know basis. Yes. Remember the year where they take Ross I. Dowling – uh, high in the draft is cornerback from Virginia. Yes, sure. Uh, and 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 all of his scouts that year, I mean all of his scouts that year, wanted either him to take Jabal Sheard or Brooks Reed. That's right. Okay. And <clears throat> so that year, all of his scouts, they're not even in the room, but they're in an ante room. And they hear just at the time that the pick is being made that they're taking Ross I. Dowling and their jaws hit the floor. They were utterly, absolutely, totally shocked and had no idea. That's why I'm with Jalen Collins, too, right? Bill Belichick tells people things only on a need-to-know basis. Yes. Yeah, um, I've been there for the, that, that kind of draft uh, with New England, so yeah. I've seen it happen. Yes, J, uh, you, you're right, Jamie Collins. Jamie Collins, Jamie Collins. Yeah. I mean, we were, I was sitting in that obscure room that Peter's talking about, and we got word that Jamie Collins is going to be picked, and I'm just going to tell you the scouts, <laughs> they <laughs> jaws dropped, they were Cursing. Ang- walked out of the room shaking their head. Uh, so you're right. I mean, but Bill, Bill is always Bill, right. Bill is always right. right. Uh, I got one last thing for you, Peter. You're talking about ears, and, and you're worried about things getting out. I started a campaign with Joe Montana. He's aboard. We're doing it on the podcast. The listeners are aboard, and I'm going to enlist uh, your here help. Here you go again. Uh, I'm a firm believer that there's a man missing from the Hall of Fame, and his name is Phil Sims. If yep. you don't think he's warranted based on his playing career, I think when you add in 20 years of broadcasting, I, I can't believe he's not even ever mentioned. And when there's one person in the media that I think carries a big stick and people fall in his wake, it is you, Peter. And I'm just curious, <laughs> where is it possible to start this campaign for Phil? I think it's possible. Um, I think one of the things that happens is that, you know, Phil Sims is sort of in the category to me of like a Kenny Anderson, a guy who kind of has fallen through the cracks of history. Right. And, uh, I mean, really did so much over, you know, in my opinion, he, 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 would, he, would, he either would have been in if he didn't get hurt in 1990. Right. Because, you know, that obviously, if he was the quarterback of course. of Hostetler in that game, you got two Super Bowl wins. You got really making the Giants competent offensively for the first time in more than a generation, um, and that and and that would have changed everything for him. Right. And I, I'll always believe the injury he suffered in 
think December 1990 in a Saturday game against Buffalo. He hurt his foot. Yes. Um, and and that really has been a huge roadblock to him in the Hall of Fame. But I, I think one of the issues now is, and I think it's going to be a big issue, is that there are going to be so many quarterbacks yes. with gaudy, incredible numbers right. who are going to be coming up in the next few years that Phil is going to be stacked up against these guys, even though his era is slightly different than theirs. Right. Um, and it's going to be hard for him. But yeah. I covered those teams for four years, and I saw how incredibly important Phil Sims was to the greatness of those teams. So I, I certainly would be a backer of his in that campaign, and I wish you luck. I really do. I'm, I'm dead serious Are- about it. All right, so this is, I mean, you were supposed to come in today. You're not feeling your best, so we, you know. We're and gonna, you're busy because you're Peter and King. You're, and you're Peter King, So, but you're coming in. You, you Two weeks? I'll come, in the week, I'll come in the week after the draft. That would, Boom. Yeah, that would be awesome. Okay, you the man. That would be awesome. Appreciate you, Peter. Thanks okay, for, guys. Thanks Thank for you. coming on, man. We'll talk to you soon. Awesome. And you can, of course, check out his work at mmqb.si.com. Yep. If you go to mmqb.com, you'll see office furniture. <laughs> I think if you <laughs> go to go the mmqb.com, that works as well. It redirects ah, you. Yeah, okay. the mmqb. Peter is the man. Peter is a point where he's so well connected that. He knows so much information yes. that if I were him, I would be telling secrets by accident because I wouldn't even remember all the things that I've heard. Oh, can yes. you imagine well, Lefko, the reporter, during I, draft season? What? what? You know, Todd Bowles, Bill Belichick <laughs> just told me they're going to they're gonna draft them at 31. You're crazy. <laughs> Man. But, yeah. The, so, he's so he's amazing. Right, my follow-up to that yeah. is uh, Giants fans. You pissed you don't have Ben Roethlisberger? <laughs> right? Like, like, it looks great. Eli had two, but I think Ben could have gotten two. Well, he did also, get two. Also, big, that's exactly. But Big Ben in, in New pl- York? Yeah. Holy yeah. crap. Well, I know this about, about Ben. That the big. Well, that would, been a, that would probably be one of the issues, too, though. Big Ben, the one knock about him coming out at the time mm. was that he was so much more immature than the other two. And Eli has been so great with the media right. his entire career. They career. recognized, I think most Except teams at that time recognized like Roethlisberger was the most talented one. But like Philip was like you know on the verge of like having his fifth child and already right. at that time, so right. he was like a grown man. Eli is a Manning, and he's learned from his brother, and he's stand up. And Ben was you know was Ben Ben was Ben at the time. You ever go back and look at back old pictures of oh, Ben? Yeah. Long white tees, got yes. a piece and chain hanging out. I mean, not your typical. And he had those off the field issues, which were disgusting, uh, which were immature at yes. their very early point of his age yes. or career. Right. Uh, but that's interesting. The yes. other thing there is here's what I understand about the Hall of Fame. Yeah. All these quarterbacks are coming with all those gaudy numbers. You are in the room because you're some of the smartest media members that's ever covered this game. Yeah. And if you're incapable of realizing that cornerback rules, defensive rules, offensive rules, styles of offenses, what quarterbacks are asked to do, the amount of throws during each game, if you're not able to process that those numbers are inflated and that what Phil Sims did in that era is insane and that his yards per a, a completion compared to today is like double because because he was bombing it, Mm -hmm. and he played with Parcells, and he played with Belichick, and he was helping with Lawrence Taylor, and he got the first Super Bowl in the NFC East when the Washington Redskins, New York Giants, Dallas Cowboys, and all those teams were at their forefront, and the Eagles had one of the best defenses of all time. Well, then maybe you shouldn't be in the room. 
Well, I, 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 you know, I think that's what a little bit what Peter's saying. Like Peter's one of those guys that should be in the room, right? But I think what he's saying is it's hard to overcome some of the maybe idiots that are in the room who can only look at the bottom line of the stats. But even I if mean, the even if the idiots in the room can't look at the stats, can't we look at the twenty year broadcasting career and right, he's tied like for most sure, Super Bowls called sure, all time, sure. like? Yeah, I mean, you know, just I'll yeah. say this. When my dad retired, he was in the top 20 all time and wins as a court starting quarterback. That's a pretty big stat, too. But whatever. I don't really care about all that. But you did give me the jumping off point where I don't understand why the media necessarily gets that vote anyways. I yes. don't understand it. Why, as an NFL player, don't I get to vote on who gets in the Writers Hall of Fame? I can read and write. In fact, I know more about their job than they do about mine. So why do they get to make a lifelong statement on some guy's career right. to go? And I've said this before. I've been in press boxes. I mean, it's I'm writing my page for my article for tomorrow. I'm tweeting something out. Oh, loud cheer. Ooh, oh. touchdown. Julio Jones is good. He caught another touchdown. Let me go back to writing this. Yes. And so that's their context of the game. And but to Chris, me, he's a plus two on that play. But that's it's you just like not, my scouting voice. <laughs> but that's just okay, not, sorry. It's just not. Uh, it's just not fair to me. Right. To, in my eyes, to me, that's where a Hall of Fame has a serious flaw. They have to get the ex Hall of Fame players to vote, which I think they do, right? I think so. And I think they got to find some way to incorporate coaches or players, something yes. involved in it. But my, my thing is this: Peter is, in my mind, a light. A lighthouse for this profession. Yeah, he shines his light on something, and then everyone reacts. Yeah, when his right. article comes out on Monday. The world reacts the entire day right. because he's more connected in my mind than really anybody. Yeah, to say that we are coming up on an issue in which inflated stats are going to make it hard for people in previous generations. You, we need to do something about. It. I know, but see, you can't say there's an incoming problem and then go well. Everyone before 2004 screwed. Yeah. Like that's not how it works. After the draft this summer, we're going to kick this into high gear. Yeah. Some of those, but he did yeah. say that he would support the cause. Yeah, he did. So we have Joe Montana and Peter we have King. Peter King, and we have the hundreds of thousands of Sims and Lefko listeners behind us. <laughs> who we're going to have. We need to write some letters uh, to David Baker this summer. That's what we need to do. He gave us the address. I'll go back and that's get what it. We should do. Yeah, tell, we're going to flood the. We're going to flood the mailbox. Baker, if he doesn't put my dad in, I'm going to go. Bear wrestle him to the ground yeah. like the bear. He David is. Baker is the last <laughs> guy in the headlock. world I would want. I mean, wrestle. seriously, we should be. We should basically be David Baker versus the grizzly bear. Like who's <laughs> gonna win? All right, so <laughs> I would pick David Baker. <laughs> no. So you you said you heard that. Now Peter's confirming it that Dorsey is not telling anybody. Yes. But guess what? What? I'm gonna tell Dorsey what he needs oh, to do. Here oh, here it comes. Captain Spock, the GM is coming. Can I beam you up to Jen Dorsey's office? <laughs> yes, you may. Uh, here is what we're. We're doing <laughs> at number one, the Cleveland Browns should select Saquon Barkley. Okay, I said this months ago, I'm just reaffirming it. Sure, I got no at problem. Number with that. four, yeah, the Cleveland Browns should select Bradley Chubb. Oh, here's why number one, you're getting a generational running back and you're getting the pass rush duo of Miles Garrett. And Chubb. Yeah, which would be one of the best duos in the sport right in off the, the bat. Sport. Right off the Number bat. Number two, you're getting probably the top two players on most teams' draft boards. Yeah. I don't think the quarterbacks are higher than them if you're just doing points. Right. Number three, we are coming off a final four in the NFL where three of the quarterbacks were Nick Foles, Case Keenum, and Blake Bortles. For months, we talked about the quarterback position is very important. 
at the same time, if you have a great team, you can overcome that. Number four, everyone's coming forward right now and saying that none of these quarterbacks are Carson Wentz or Deshaun Watson or Andrew Luck. None of them are guaranteed. And number five, you have Tyrod Taylor. You have a top 20 quarterback in the NFL right now. I don't know why you don't lock up. I think he was outside of my top 20, but good. In that range. I know, I'm being funny. Nick Foles was in your 30s, and he was good enough to win the Super Bowl. He was around Case Keenum. You know what I'm saying? Right. You, you have an ample enough quarterback, but you can get a generational offensive player, a lock. You have Chubb, which I don't want to say he's a lock like Saquon, but he's, a, he's guaranteed he's to be a, a good player. No doubt. He's a lock to be a starting guy that's going to be at a high level and is going to get a handful of Pro Bowls. And I'm not saying, ooh, find that next that Mason Rudolph in the second round. No, yeah. maybe you don't draft a quarterback this year. I'm just saying, if you got two locks, and you know that the Giants, if Saquon's off the board, will probably go quarterback, yep. and we know the Jets are going quarterback, yep. why not get the locks and then visit this next year? The Browns, if you don't win the Super Bowl next year, no one's going to freak out. I just think that's the move to go. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know if that's the way to go. Um, I mean, obviously, it's an it's a different take. I get your I'm take. I'm just sitting there going, you can get the two top guys on the board, right? And we'll figure out that maybe there's a guy next year. If if you don't, if you're not 100 percent confident, but you know those two guys are going to yeah, do well, it. Yeah, well, I think that all that we're getting back to is what their board is, right? And where they have those guys. Dra- rated, I don't want right? you to pretend. I want you to think about would that be a good move? Uh, what do you not like about it? What do you like about it? Um, I I think that my biggest thing is it's still the quarterback position. These guys are still first round talents, without a doubt. They're still all top 20 picks to me. Gotcha. So. The quarterback position, yes, even though none of them are on the value chart probably as good as Saquon or Chubb, right? I, the the importance of the position is going to knock that grade up a little bit higher as well. And to me, you talk about next year, sure, that sounds you great. You went on all these I, rants this postseason I, though, about quarterback can play. Just let me finish my fucking point, you well, loudmouth interrupter. I pulled a Mason Rudolph. Sorry for the swear. Spock. Yes. Oh, I was just thought you were going to okay. go. But right, but no, but my my thing is you don't know next year either. I mean, I was told all year this is the most special quarterback class we've ever seen, and it's not as good as last year's class. Right. So I get that, but you don't know next year from the standpoint of what the quarterbacks will be. Okay, I would just stop. I'm not. Fucking you were about to say anything. something, and um, I mean it's the NFL. One year, Cleveland could be in the playoffs next year. I mean, Cleveland could be in the playoff conversation. Would you be shocked if Cleveland ended up like six and ten or seven and nine? What next I'm year? saying is, if they draft Saquon and Chubb with Tyrod Taylor, that it can happen. I think that team can make the playoffs. Okay, okay, but I think I would also say that I don't think Tyrod is the type of guy that's going to bring your team too much farther. Okay, that's where I would go. And Tyrod, at the point of his career right now, okay, what is Tyrod in year eight or nine, r- r- roughly? I think somewhere in that category. Josh, look. I mean, he's just not a franchise quarterback to me. He's always going to be looking to replace him, and I get you could still win with games with them. Right. And if Tyrod Taylor... I'm not saying he's the future. No, I know. I'm just saying you're locking those two guys into the future, and we'll come back to this at a later time. It's a good thought. I just still think you got to go the quarterback, and you got to go the quarterback at number one, really, I think, because you just got to get the guy that you know you at least have the most confidence in out of the quarterbacks that are in it. If it's Sam Darnold at number one, and you know that, then do you go with well, left I theory? don't like that, but it doesn't matter what I do. Okay. Yes. I mean, that's I've been arguing that from the start. 
You know, to me, Tyrod going into his eighth year. He's going into the eighth yeah. year. Yeah. yeah, he was so, hurt in twenty fourteen. I mean, now. your points are just. They really are. My thing was just. I listened to you for two months yeah. talk about how we overvalue the quarterback position, mm-hmm. and the number one argument you're giving back to me right now is, well. It is the quarterback position. So I'm just seeing your argument and going, we just went through this. Yeah, I hear you. I understand that, too. I I get it. Because Tyron with Josh Gordon, Jarvis Landry, David Njoku, Duke Johnson, Saquon Barkley, Carlos Hyde, and that offensive line, and then those pass rushers? Yeah. Like, maybe you build a team that when you draft a quarterback next year— I don't know. I, I, I understand Maybe it. Maybe a trade for Your a quarterback that are, exists. They're good. Yeah. They are. Now, the the thing is, the, the, this is where the quarterback value comes in, though. So, we've seen this year where if you build a good team, you can make average quarterbacks look pretty good and it doesn't matter. Jaguars, Vikings, but, Eagles. Yes, yes, but the problem is, is those teams kind of went through the perfect year. Too, where none of their key players got hurt or anything not like true. that. Well, right? not true with the Eagles, but I know what you're saying. Yeah, well, the Eagles was the quarterback. I mean, and Peters, and yeah, yeah I okay, you. all right, but but still, the team was there regardless. And I just think where you miss out is if you have a year where you lost a few players in free agency, or you did have a few injuries in training camp. What the quarterback does do is he covers holes, like we see Aaron Rodgers or some of the other good quarterbacks. To where we go, man, these teams aren't very good, but right. their quarterback can play at such a high level. He's worth almost two or three wins for the team every year because of what he does in the fourth quarter. So that's where... Do you think Saquon can have that kind of an impact? Because I think he can. Saquon could be the best player in the NFL next year. So, okay. hold on, let's just, let's just take yeah. that sentence. Yeah. If he could be the best player in the NFL in his rookie year, right. then why am I going to draft a quarterback that has a 50% success rate? Yeah, okay. I, I, I totally I'm, – I'm I get your thoughts. Yeah. I know. I know. Um, I, I get that all the way. But Saquon Barkley could also be open like 75 times next year, and Tyrod Taylor decided to leave the pocket and scramble, and he never gets the ball. Yeah. So that's the other side I throw to you, to where I'd go, damn, if Tyra would just stay in the pocket, which is my number one complaint about him all the time, right. or just throw the ball down the middle. So, I, you know, again, I, I'm not trying to argue you. I don't even know what I'm saying. I'm saying your points are good, but it's still the quarterback position. You don't know when you're going to be in this spot, and we have to take into account how they have him drafted, not how I see him. I know. I just, my thing is, I watch Even the, though I'm usually right. I just watch the Jacksonville Jaguars <laughs> have an amazing success with the 70th ranked quarterback I in the know, NFL. But you're missing the point is that it is the best team on the sport. It's not even close. It's the best team in the sport. Yes. So that's where you've got to talk about it, too. Yeah. So if Cleveland can be the best team in the sport, then fuck, yeah, that's right. Forget the quarterback thing. If you yell at me again, we're going to fight. <laughs> that guy, that was a good disagreement. I, I haven't had it. one of those yeah. in a while. It wasn't even a disagreement. I was just, just we're talking it out. Yeah. And like, I would love to fight you. Love it. Good it. Love it. That's <laughs> <laughs> not uh, So, anyway, so uh, I won Saquon. Gabe wants to see it too. <laughs> Gabe, Gabe is like, yo, as soon as we bust that ass. Um, so, I want Saquon to go to Cleveland, but you know who doesn't want Saquon to go to Cleveland? His, His representation. Agents. Yeah. Rock Nation, however, does not want him to be taken number one, according to a writer for SI, Ben Baskin. They don't want him in Cleveland. They want him to go second to Giants and play in the media capital of the world. Reportedly, they approached him about pulling an Eli, which is very funny that Peter just told that story. Yeah. And Saquon was 
like, absolutely not. The other reason that I want Saquon, that I watched in that Russell Wilson thing, yeah. when you talk about the perfect human for the NFL, yeah. when you talk about a guy that every time he was around Brian Westbrook or Fred Taylor and, like, all the other running backs are, like, walking around, he's up there like, how did you get longevity? How did you, like, do this? And he's he a would, face and of the just, franchise type running is, back. Yeah. And he's, yeah. But he's, like, a good guy that, like— Handsome as hell. He's everything. Handsome as hell. And what I would tell Rock Nation is, right. you're ruining this. Yeah. Lefko PR move. Right. If you go to Cleveland, you link him with LeBron. Yes. There's already the Instagram post where LeBron calls him the young king. Yeah. We can do a cross-sport passing of the torch, mm-hmm. and you can market this kid in Cleveland as the LeBron of football. Yep. Why can you do that? Because nobody has the title, the LeBron of football. It doesn't exist. Put him in the city. It has low expectations. And then if you want to move him after five, six years, when you want to get that next contract somewhere bigger and really capitalize, sure. But... Saquon is a kind of guy that I think you link him with LeBron, and it doesn't matter what city he's in. Yeah, I don't. I agree. It does not matter. It's like, come on, man. I mean, he's amazing. He's amazing. Amazing. He is. I mean, he's the number one player in the draft. There's no doubt about that. The problem is the position too. Again, just like we've talked about many times. But, and I'm just gonna say, okay, I'm gonna say this. Le'Veon Bell. Had 80 catches last year. Yeah. Le'Veon Bell lines up at wide receiver. Mm-hmm. I think it's a very archaic model to look at positions. In the last few years, there's a new, there's new positions opening up all the time. Now we have a position called edge. When we first started together five years ago, that was not a thing. Well, it was yeah. defensive ends and outside linebackers, but because they change a lot, we've called it edge. Well, because the idiots of the world, even the NFL teams who didn't even have that like distinct, like yes. they started to realize, oh, the good. Football teams separate these guys. They don't just call everybody a defense end. But what I'm saying you know? is yeah. Saquon is as much of a running back as uh, Rodney McLeod is a cornerback. Like these guys, he is a running back, wide receiver. Like you're going to be able to move. He's a chess piece. He's a weapon. Yes. He's a weapon. Mm-hmm. I don't look at any of these guys as a running back. This isn't Frank Gore. You know what I mean? He's yeah. not. He's not. He's not running up into the to the a gap every single time. No, he's Le'Veon Bell. He's yes. Todd Gurley. I mean, he he's. he's He's Todd Gurley, except he's just quicker. I want to give a shout-out really quick to Josh yeah. Fendrick, right. who nailed his scouting report last year. Malik McDowell looks like he's that. going to be cut. <laughs> uh, but his Since, wrist tape, he's got great wrist tape, looks great with the hands in the ground. So I just, you know. what, what do you mean? Oh, his wrist tape. That was the first yeah. thing I said about For him. For people that I are love new his listeners of the podcast, yeah. we gave Josh uh, one prospect last year. He scouted Malik McDowell, and he crushed it. He yeah. didn't see the potential, and now it looks like he's going to be out of the league, mainly because of off the field. i got to yeah. scout someone for next week. You Who know, am I scouting? Oh, I would like that. Let me think about yeah, that. Give me but, someone well, good. We'll I'll do it on somebody Monday. Good, right? The other one thing I want to say is a right. little props to myself. Yes. Did you see that the NFL has eliminated 10 helmets that you can play in next season because they're not ruled safe enough? Cool. I've been saying You've this been for a year you have. that there are there is one helmet the V-I-C-I-S helmet I know Keekley has the neck oh, the collar thing. this is the Alex Smith Richard Sherman helmet right. that is scientifically proven to be safer and I said why isn't this mandatory well guess what the NFL is starting to make the mandatory Lefko PR strikes again Odell post a workout video yet today uh, it'll come later. It'll yeah. come later. It'll come come later. Comes at night. He usually drops it around 6, 30, 7 yeah. o'clock. There Let's give is. Big Phil a call. Let's call that fucker. So we're going to call Big Phil. Uh, let me just see what we got here on the BR app. Rob Gronkowski is going to the Kentucky Derby after purchasing the stake in a horse named Gronkowski. Man. 
Huh. Uh, just reading a Gronk story. I know. I heard. He, what did, he what bought did, a horse. He bought stock in the horse. That's called Never Gronk. buy stocks in horses. I learned that from Rick Patino. <laughs> I gotta. I he want, said, "He know, no, it's a good advice. Never, never put your money into anything uh, that eats while you're sleeping. It's a waste of money." Hello, Bleacher Report. Oh, oh hello, Big Phil, Big Phil, Big Phil. Hey. Hey. Oh man, you know, I saw Bleacher Report up there, and I thought, "Oh, I hope it's somebody new and not you two jerk offs." <laughs> <laughs> it's three it's jerk three offs. Of Josh, Josh is in the middle here, here yeah. today. What's that? Josh is here today. Three well, jerk offs. Uh, he decided to work today. He does nothing for the company. Every so. once in a while. Uh, he's in there making some money. Real uh, question we want to know is, did you even get a shade darker since being in Barbados? Did you get any sun? No, man. You know me. I, I didn't send you any pictures of me getting into the water. But I had a half the size of an umbrella. I had my sunscreen shirts on that are long sleeve with the collar up. And... Uh, so I look like a fool. But yeah, you okay. look like powder. Like the movie Powder is Phil Simms' life. What? It's, it, it, I'll give you, as Lawrence Taylor stole this for once from a comedian, when he sees me, he always looks at me. For, you know, we haven't seen, we see each other once or twice a year maybe. And, you know, I'll make a comment about him or something. He'll look at me and go, man, you are so white. You must eat chalk. And, or he goes, you must I'm not going to say what comes out. It comes out chalk or something like that. I said, okay, I'm trying to clean it up because yeah, I know you, know you guys curse though. all the time, but I don't. Yes, right. Sure. Do yes. you curse around Christopher, like in person? He I tries. Don't think I do. No, I curse. He tries him all the time not to. Cursing. He does. And then, like, three minutes later, he'll curse. And my kids will be like, Papa. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Yeah, your son. He's like a freaking. Uh, Tape recorder. Hey, uh, Papa said this, and he said that. <laughs> yeah. Come here, boy. Shut up. He did. He said that. He did. He said so- my mom and my dad said something about my my mom's brother, my uncle, yeah. right? And they like nothing bad, but like something that was on their mind about him. And then he came over the house, and Philip went up to him and was like, "You know, Didi and Papa said." <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, coming up that's a little great. bit later, that's we're great. actually going to get a little bit of a scouting report from Phillips. Sims, the, the yeah. grandson. No, I'm not even kidding, Phil. Philip said some comments to Chris. It's making the show today. The kid is going to be one heck of a scout. It, it was actually hilarious. I would just let's just say it now, right, so Dad so, can he can hear it. All right. So uh, a D lineman that Chris is not that high on. His name's Harrison Phillips. Right. Uh, you showed it to, to Philip. He's Harrison Phillips. Okay. He wears number sixty six. Phillips sixty six. That was one of the first things I wrote in my notes. Are you right. serious? This uh, guy's wearing sixty six. He's a big white guy from Stanford. I think he had the most bench press reps in the whole combine. Forty two. Right. Forty two reps at two twenty five. But I mean. He's just a big old guy, and he can't really do anything. And I don't mean to sound this in a mean way, but he just, there's no way you're going to find a place for him to play in the NFL. And some people have him as one of the top five interior D linemen there are. And, you know, of course, I'm watching games and whatever else, and I'm and just, you just like, don't see it. I'm like, I don't even, how, how do you put him on the field anywhere? Where does he play? I don't even understand it. So then Philip comes so over. So Philip, watching, son. who you watching? And I'm, I'm watching just this guy, Philip, number 66. Like, I don't think he's very good. And he watches a few plays and he goes, yeah, I don't think he's very good too, Dad. I I think he should be an offensive lineman. And I was like, I wrote it down in my notes. So I was there like, you, go. I was like you know what? This guy should do J.R. Sweezy. Like that's oh, what yeah. Jr. and that's what he kind of is. This big, you know, muscled lumbering meathead, right? 
that would be great as a guard, but he's just not a natural enough, good enough athlete to be a D tackle in the NFL. Yeah, so you hear that, Phil? Your grandson's going to be a heck of a scout. Man, hey, listen, my grandson has given his father more information than my son's given me. So I, <laughs> I don't know what to say there. You know, listen, that's a great. It, I always it's one say of your that. things. Yes, this is why I brought it up. Well, I know one of my things, you know, college coaches, of course, their job is to win football games at their school, not worry about the pros. Yes. But when you look at certain players, if you know, if you go, okay, I could live without him not being there, but I want him to be a pro. The only way he's going to be a, be a pro is this, which which I tell high school kids all the time. You Your know, big thing say, is going to high school basketball games, and he sees a six eight center that's a really big, strong, good athlete, and one of dad's pet peeves is going, man, he's wasting his time thinking he's going to be an NBA player. If he just goes to left tackle, he'll be a first-round pick. Well, not even be an NBA player. He's never even going to play in a, a college unless yeah, it's right. Division three. Right. You know, these uh, they, I there's a kid coming out in the draft this year. I won't tell his name. He trains down, you know, at the training center we know about. He's a left tackle. He's an unbelievable athlete. I mean, he's just got the look. Six, seven, man, he's athletic. He looks the part. He's going to get drafted. And so he's there training one day. I said, hey, big man, Greg, how you doing? And he goes, who's this? And he goes, oh, this is my brother. Hey, I said, well, what's going on? I said, you know, what do you do? He goes, well, I'm a freshman in college. I play basketball. And I said, okay, let me give you some advice right now. Stop. <laughs> Go play football for three years. You'll be drafted in the first three rounds uh, as a defensive end. You got me? Do you want money or not? Right. And, and his brother laughs. He goes, man, I've been telling him. I said, well, keep telling him. You're way. I said, if you just want to have a good little college career playing basketball, and you can talk about it for the rest of your life. Oh, I was good in college, and nobody's going to care. But if you tell him you played pro football and you got drafted and you made some money, mm. and uh, so I haven't seen him in two weeks. I, I'm just wondering if I hit it because – you know me. I, I, I kind of wore it out pretty good and just walked right away. <laughs> but I was going to say. A couple of days later, the offensive lineman comes up to me and says, hey, man, that was great, Mr. Sims. I keep telling him, you know, because the brother who's going to get – the one I'm talking about is going to get drafted yep. started out as a basketball player yep. and said, oh, he figured it out. Right. Plus, and NFL over teams. over to football while I was in college. NFL teams always seem to love when a guy played basketball. It sure. means you have good feet. You're athletic. Phil, I got a question well, for you. Well, you've got a good hand eye. You're, yes. you, you know, you can play. You can adapt. You can, you, you, can, you, you can be multiple, just like a wide receiver. I want him to be able to do everything, not just, oh, I'm the receiver to the single side. I'm number one. Exactly. You know? Man, you know, that, that day is almost gone. We yep. need players that are versatile. Running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, you got to do it all. Yep. Phil, i got an update for you. Uh, we were all rooting for Brett Favre to get Monday Night Football, but the rumors are that he bombed the audition. <laughs> he did come out today and said I, that's not true, but yeah. Yeah, I saw it. I saw it. You saw I would the, love the audition? To hear this audition oh, tape. Me oh, too. Yeah. You know, I would love to hear it. And, uh, uh, well, I, you know, honestly – Good for Brett. He he tried, you know. So yeah. you can only sit on that tractor and mow the lawn and sh- go out and shoot animals or whatever. Who who knows what he's doing down there in farm? So I love uh, that Phil is from Kentucky, but he's like, yeah, that country bumpkin. Because now you're just New Jerseyed out, Phil. Oh yeah. Hey, look. When I became a pro, they said there's two things I'm not doing anymore. I'm not cutting grass, and I'm not flying coach. 
Okay, that's it. All right, I got one. I got another one for you. These. This is a quote from A.J. McCarron uh, to the family that has such ar- strong arms. I thought this would be appropriate. This is a quote. Me personally, I think a lot of people get sold on big arms. You look at the history of quarterbacks in the NFL. There's been a lot of great Q- QBs in the NFL that haven't had crazy strong arms. How many times do you actually drop back and throw the ball 60 yards? Very rarely. The game is played with timing and accuracy, and if you have those two things, you can be successful. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I agree with that. Yeah. But, you know, the, the you know, it's like I wrote my notes about quarterbacking. You know, if you're looking for magic, you know, oh, he's just got it. All the it. I said, okay, go look for it. And you're going to be right about five times out of 100. So you're going to get fired all the other times because you're looking for it. So the one thing A.J. McCarron leaves out, which I talk to receivers all the time. I bring this up with Brandon Marshall. When you're running the hitch, right. just a little short route, Yep. he goes, I, I talked about two guys. He goes, man, I want that ball coming out here so fast and hard so I can grab it and run. Mm. And you, the thing he's – that's wrong in this respect – Strong-arm guys have a confidence and see things differently than the guys that don't have strong arms. Right. So they see a wide-open receiver, even though it's just a little window, because they're going to throw it through there. And the guy that doesn't, oh, he's calling it. I'm going to check it down because right. I'm managing the game and I'm just playing the position. Right. And so, the stats will be good at the end of the day, but when you and I watch the film, we're going to go, man, he missed about seven opportunities to score touchdowns because he didn't throw it in there or whatever it may be. Because the right. guy, everybody didn't fall down. That's right. what, you know, it's like certain running backs. you got to knock them down twice for them to get 10 yards. And, and so arm strength always plays a hand in every big game always you need four i always say this you need four or five power throws in a game that can make a difference i love and, that you know decision making i mean come on listen how smart do you got to be in this if he's covered you don't throw it to him i mean they always like oh he's an unbelievable decision maker yeah no kidding because he takes no chances oh that's uh, you know they, they don't make enough big plays well we know why Okay. Yeah, yes, so, yes. yeah, get me going. So AJ, some good thoughts there, but I want if I my quarterback. Yes, I could win with Drew Brees yeah. if I'm Sean Payton. But mm. you know, some teams. Well, not now because everything's changed. These offensive coordinators. Uh, that's another one here, guys. If we could draft an offensive coordinator or quarterback, I think the coordinators might go one through five. I, you're right. <laughs> you're right. So. We keep talking about all this stuff about these quarterbacks. You give you give them a really good offensive coordinator, they're going to make them good players. Right. There's no doubt. The head coach set the culture, and then the coordinator now can coach his guys, and they can make stars. Look, we say this it all is the time. why this is why we think Aaron Rodgers is amazing because it's not that; it's the opposite. He yes. doesn't have the OC. He doesn't have his. We, we watch it and we go, oh, there's nothing there to help him. He's doing a lot of it with his God given ability. Well, you know, there, there, there's something always about simplicity, too, because it's so simple. You can go through all your reads and all that quick. Right. But we, as we see with him, it seems like, you know, I'm over exaggerated, but it seems like 80% of his throws, it's him moving out of the pocket, just ripping a ball sidearm or doing this or that. That's, right. what it, that's what it seems like. And as I always say, 
go to the Super Bowl, I've said this to you before, and watch Tom Brady's first 40 throws. He throws it to number to the first receiver 32 times. Right. And he hits almost all of them. So, yeah. you know, that is de- deception, smartness, whatever you want to say, all that stuff. That's what being a coordinator is about now. And, man, we got a lot of good ones in the NFL. We do. I don't want to call you Mr. Phil Sims anymore. I want to call you your honor, Phil Sims. You have been the judge for something on this podcast that we like to call mascot battles. Two weeks ago, we had Lion versus Bear. Bear came out victorious. We pulled from the hat on Monday, and the battle was a dolphin versus Paul Brown. Your son drafted first, and he took a dolphin. Sims, would you like to go first in your argument to your pops? Well, dolphin with Paul Brown. Paul Brown doesn't get any weapons here, okay, right? So this is because he's a Cleveland Brown dad. I'm just explaining that to you. But either way, a dolphin versus Paul Brown, that dolphin is going to whoop the shit out of Paul Brown on land or in water. I'm telling you, Paul Brown gets on the ground and rustles that dolphin. That dolphin's going to... And just slap him upside the face with his uh, dorsal fin. his dorsal fin, and he might take a bite out too. Okay? Interesting. Yes. Okay. So hold, on, I, hold on, Phil. I have to make my argument. <laughs> Your Honor. Go ahead. First, I'd like to say, if the court would allow this, that Paul Brown was one of the greatest coaches in the history of the NFL, and I mean no disrespect, but I want to say that because he was so great, he'll beat the Dolphin. Paul Brown was an innovator. He invented the modern face mask, so you know that he's going to be properly guarded. He invented the practice squad, so you know he's had ample practice fighting against Dolphins. He's the first coach to use game film to scout an opponents. He studied their weaknesses, and that blowhole, it's ready to be taken advantage of. First of all, I'd like to say, I'd like to say, hold on, hold on, Phil, 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 please. Let me finish. First, if we're doing a human versus a dolphin, that alone is checkmate, all right? It's a different species. Number two, there have been great dolphins in our last time, in our lifetime, Christopher, Flipper, Snowflake. But Paul Brown helped create a dolphin that's more powerful than those two combined, Don Shula. If he can create a dolphin legend, then he can end a normal dolphin. And third, bringing back that great dolphin, Flipper, as that story was told, because I'm sure Big Phil watched that many times. Flipper was harmed by a spear attack. That's how he bonded with the young boy. Well, Paul Brown was a phenomenal pole vaulter in high school. He's adept at manning a long stick, perfect for puncturing a porpoise. That's not allowed. Phil, it is clear that the side that you should side with. If my opponent tries to argue that Paul Brown is currently dead, well, then he would actually be arguing against himself. If Paul Brown is dead, it's impossible for a dolphin to kill him. He's already dead. If the dolphin decides to consume the legend, he'll likely choke, similar to the franchise as of late. I rest my you, case. You have too much time on your hands. Oh, okay. That, I'll tell you, that was well presented and everything. I'm not going to be the judge. I'm sitting in the jury box. Okay. 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 And, and Adam, you came up and were talking to me, and I was like, ooh, this is really good. Then he kept going on and on. I said, oh, I can't pay attention anymore. My, my ass is going to sleep. In fact, he's talking so much, I'm going to vote against his ass. Yeah, and that's right. So, and you are right. I did watch Flipper growing up. Yes. And I love animals, and I love dolphins. And Flipper is one bad dude. That's all I know. He can talk to humans. So who are you picking? Ass. He could get humans on land out of trouble. So, right. And he could talk. I mean, what else? Yeah, I'm going with Flipper. Yeah! Wow! <laughs> woo, 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 woo. 
I mean, and we were going to flipper on land. I mean, the water, we know it's over. I mean, can Paul oh, swim? Well, yeah, no, but see, flipper, <laughs> he was even great. He can handle problems in or out of the water. I made so a mistake. I brought up nostalgia. We'll see who wins this poll. I will bet you a dinner flipper wins. I, I Okay. I guess we'll have to prove it. Let's dig up Paul and let's get him against flipper. Come <laughs> no. on. Well, he's talking about the debate as far as from the people on the podcast when they vote. He's saying he's gonna, he's saying flipper's going to win. Oh, the and vote. And if Paul Brown wins, he'll take us to dinner. All right. Phil, thanks for nothing. Well, you know, only thing that worries me, I saw Adam without a shirt once, so it could cost me a lot of money. <laughs> that's right. Uh, that's exactly right. Uh, well, did we get any football here today? Or we just, you know, I don't know. I think the draft is coming about. I don't I, know all right, all right, go ahead. We're going to give you – look, Lefko can't take it because he's got to open his big mouth for the whole show. So you're talking into his time here. <laughs> Ten-minute filibuster right. about dolphins. I know. Uh, okay, all right, just – Give us anything from the draft. I know you've been watching more and more players here. What's anything that's jumping loins? out to you? You can just go off on whatever you want. Oh, I can't. Eat. No, no, it's too. Listen, too I'm, broad. I'm, I'm organizing my thoughts today, and I am sitting here, and I, and I, well, I didn't do it. Nicole types them out as I write them <laughs> down, and you, you should see some of my because she can't read my writing. So, okay, I got it. Don't worry. But I, I'm like. Sitting here now, and after a couple hours, I'm like, damn, I'm confused. I can't remember what of what's going on. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I'm just watching everything. I'll just say this. I can't wait for the draft. Ooh. You know, I really can't just because of all the stuff and everything. Now it's amazing. Now on TV it's turning to Josh Allen. Oh, no. And it, it, you know what makes me starting to believe it? Uh, that he will be taken by the Browns. Just this, the staunch – Unbelievable! Sam Darnold once in a lifetime, and and oh, what was the other word I heard? Oh, um, oh, Trent Dilper said it today, which I know he watches a lot. But he's some really word that I, I, I would never use uh, that he's going to be basically once in a lifetime kind of player. Transcendent. Uh, but the, what's that? Transcendent. Transcendent. What the hell? <laughs> Transcendent? You know, I write a lot of things down about quarterback. You know, first thing I wrote down, what's a franchise quarterback? And Because we're going to talk about it. And I said, well, first off, don't even start out with telling me he's a winner or he has it. Because I don't care. So I did the it. He's a winner. Now, how many college quarterbacks have we seen win national championships Go thirty-four and two in their career, and not even make an NFL team. Right, or John so, Elway, who went three and seven in his senior year and retired as the most winning quarterback in the history of the NFL. Wow, yeah, I know. So th- there we go. I love all that, and then, of course the arm strength thing with AJ McCarron. So we kind of splashed that around. All right, but, all right, but wait. all these Sam Darnold, just and I like him too. Yes, he's a first-round quarterback. He could be a really, but. How they're now going, well, you know, oh, <laughs> Josh Allen is going to probably go first. Oh. Well, I mean, it is. It's, they're it's crying a, on TV today. It's the Southern California Mafia. That's what it is right now. What is that last they're, voice? They're just, they're, they can't believe it. All right, so wait, this is the last thing. And then, seriously, answer this quick, and we're hanging up All right, I'll you. make it quick. Okay. <laughs> If, I want you, the GM. And this Ooh. is not anybody else, the GM. This is you, Phil Sims. You're running the New York Giants. Oh, boy. Yeah, oh, boy. Well, oh. I probably won't answer this. Uh, all right, I'm just saying, who would you pick if you were the New York Giants? If you had the first pick. If you, no, if you had the second pick, like they do, and you're there, okay, who Who's would you take? Who's number one on your big board? 
Uh, if I was, if Josh Allen is there, I'm taking Josh Allen. Okay. Now, if Josh Allen's not there, are you going to go Saquon or Chubb? Um, or are you going to go for another that, quarterback? That is a great question. Um, no, I don't. I don't think I would take a quarterback. I would probably go Saquon Barkley. Yeah, that's the way I feel too. I mean, Breaking I news: Phil again. Sims says the Giants should take Josh Allen or Saquon Barkley. We're sending on a BR alert. Right it's going now. everywhere. It's going national right Viral. now. You know, you two are you, you, you talk over each other. I can't hear you. I mean, it's like talking. Man, it's like talking to two year. I'm gonna go inside and talk to my two year old grandson. I understand him better than I do you two. All right. Well, we're hanging up on you. But Love you. Maybe Phil. just come See here. You guys. Ne- Why do you come here next week and we'll do it in person? Ooh. Next week is uh, Wednesday. Wednesday. No, week. we can't do next week. The week after, you're doing it. We could do Tuesday. You know, oh, you, what, what are you doing next week? We'll we're, figure we're it out. We're doing every day. We'll call you. I'll well, t- you don't know, no, I'm coming to New York next Wednesday. Okay. Um, I got to do something. I just don't know exactly what. Uh, well, we'll talk about it. I'd like to yeah, do it we'll in talk. person. All right. Yeah. All right, All right Dad. We'll see you. See you. Bye. See you, Phil. This has gone off the rails today. Uh, it was, this, it was been, great. this has been juicy. It was great. I can't believe I wasn't sure if he would. He he gets very careful about not answering anything. Giants, right? Because it because gets picked it up by news. Right. He, he doesn't want it's going he, to get spread. He doesn't want to be disrespectful to the Giants. I mean, but if I you know. Don't think I'm I know. Clip out that. Well, I know. Is I'm he going to be pissed when that becomes news? No, no. He knew. He knows we're going to make it okay. news. He, he knows. Uh, I, I just I know he's watched Chubb and and Barkley and yes. so he's watched. He's getting there where he's watched all like the top three, four, five guys at every position here. Right. So I, I know he has a little context. That's why I wanted to hear him say it. Let's dive into Sims's draft notebook. Uh, you already mentioned the defensive lineman that doesn't make sense in the top five, mm-hmm. Harrison Phillips. Top yeah. five of the D line. Top five of the position. Yes. Of the D line. Don't even understand that one. Um, but there is a D lineman because I would ask you, well, then who takes his spot? Right. And you have a guy that's not being mentioned in the top five that you think should be the kid from Florida. State. Oh, I mean, okay, so the kid Josh Sweat, right? All right, I mean, I'm going to just pull up his measurables here. Just I got you. So, okay. I'll pull up his measurables. So, but Josh Sweat, okay, here's a guy. Now, there's some medical questions, right? Um, but he's one of the, the – I'm getting to the point here where, you know, of course I'm still watching, and yeah. I'm almost done with everybody i got to watch. You have some offensive linemen uh, left and some tight ends. Yes, so I'm, I'm almost there. But I've gone back to, you know, whatever people have said are top five, top six in their position. Right. And now I'm getting to the point where I'm getting deeper down the list and I'm starting to just go with guys that I see numbers that are pretty amazing. And Josh yeah. Sweat, of course, is one of those guys at 6'4", 251, and he ran a 4'5", 340 and has a 39.5-inch vertical and 124-inch broad jump. That's pretty phenomenal. And okay? you're like, okay, so these are all top of the charts. So let me go see what this guy's about because his sack – aren't that great and all this right. so and i knew i remember as in fact i'm gonna i'm literally gonna i, I want to write what i saw i want to say this too this is going to be our fifth draft together right this is something that sims doesn't miss on when it gets to the guys that no one's talking about that are athletes that for some reason don't get mentioned sims is usually very good at identifying them yeah so i i i, I thank you thank you for that uh, this is the first thing i wrote i wrote damn I know this guy. I always thought number nine on Florida State looked freaky. Yeah. Okay, because I don't know who the hell these guys yeah. are when I'm watching the year. But I always looked at it and I was like, damn, I don't know who that number nine he is. He looks good in the jersey, but Damn, though. he looks like he's an NFL player. So I turned it on and I go, damn, wait, this is the edge pass rusher? Wait, okay, it's play five. It's play ten. It's play f- He's 
playing head up at five technique, like a defensive big Richard Seymour. Okay, like just setting the edge. He's not even setting the edge. He's literally head up on offensive tackles in the ACC or Florida in the SEC, and just go and. His play strength is off the charts, first of all. I mean, it's off the charts. It's Jadeveon Clowney-ish. I would argue that he pushes tackles back as consistently as some of the good defensive tackles in the draft. Like, the the top-tier defense. Which is probably why they're playing him there. Right, right. So, and you made the point, too. Like, oh, well, so Florida State was just trying to get their best 11 on the field. And and you're exactly right, Adam. That's what's happened. He is a guy that has, in the NFL, he is going to be an outside linebacker or what we would say maybe a 4-3 rush end. He's so strong at the point of attack, he could be a crash end, which would be the strong side 4-3 defense end, right, with the tight end. What range are you looking for this guy? Well, it's going to be about the medicals that I've checked out. Because, of course, when I watch him, too, and then I call a few people, and I'm like, why is nobody talking about the, one of the freakiest people I've seen on film to this yeah. point? And there were some few medical issues. He dislocated his knee in high school, tore his ACL, almost had his leg amputated. Okay, and you could see a little of that, like Alabama game when I watched that full game back. There were some moments where I was like, damn, there's something. His knee is a little. Does he run there. weird? He ran weird then, but then as the season goes along, it looks better. It looks better, right? Interesting. Because you notice but stuff like that. I do. When I, there's I, something off with the body, I definitely, definitely do. I mean, uh, I'm a self-proclaimed. Master of naked men. Yeah. But um, first of all, the body, the numbers that we just explained at the combine, they're very close to Jadeveon Clowney, except Jadeveon Clowney was 267, I think. So he's 16 pounds heavier. But the kid doesn't really get to play the position he'll play in the NFL, which is coming off the edge as a freak top tier pass rusher. Bill Belichick said that in this press conference that I watched on Friday. What did he say? He was just like listing the amount of things that he looks at people, and it's like, were they asking him to do what he should be doing? Right, exactly. Is he capable of doing what we would need him to do? Exactly. It, It takes a little bit of of uh, projection. Clowney yes. was 266 when he came out. So so he's he's 15 pounds heavier, and they ran the same 40 time. And, and he's this got two inches. A, uh, this kid has a better yeah. vertical than Jadeveon Clowney. Correct. So that's, I mean, that, that in itself, okay? This is where... Same broad jump, too. All the scouting experts and everything, like, you just got to look at that right there and go, the NFL first two rounds are about eliteness, and you're crazy as long as his medicals check out. He is going in the top 40 of the draft. I can guarantee that. Mm. Unless people just go, his knee is really it's messed up scary. and it's concerned, right. right? So that's the big thing. But he's a guy that certainly, don't be shocked if you hear about this guy's a superstar in the next few years. Uh, but I was really intrigued with him, and he was a phenomenal all-around football player. Awesome. So that's stuff you're only going to get here, Josh Sweat, Florida State. Uh, I-, I say that Simmons nails it a lot, and last year was a great example. Through the entire process, you were going, why is nobody talking about Carl Lawson out of Auburn? Right. He goes to the Bengals in what round? Uh, fourth, I believe. Like the fourth or fifth round. Right. Fendrick looked that up. And then he ends the year with a ton of sacks, and people like, are like, and a half, how did we sacks? miss on this guy? Right. He was all over Aaron Rodgers in that Green Bay game, right. I remember. Right. So we are creating the Carl Lawson Memorial Award for what are people watching, right. and you have a guy. Give it to me. Rutgers. Give it to me. Rutgers! Are you? Are you? Are you? You went back and you watched Jersey. and Kimoko Ture? Kimoko Ture. You left and went, Lefko, I found a first round pick. Hands again. Never heard of him. Again. Right. And now again, he's a guy that I've had him on my list because I've kept going, 
I mean, when he combine happened, I went, damn, he's 6'5", 252, and he ran 4.65. And he's, you know, again, length of arms, things like that. That's the other thing that Sweat had. All right, just going back to Florida yeah. State. He had 34 and 5-inch arms. That's enormous. Every team's going to love that. That's, a, that's longer arms than Jadeveon Clowney. It's like a little Raven Clark-esque That's arms. right. That's crazy long. So every scheme's going to love him. You got it? You okay? I you on your guy? Okay. I pulled up his measurables. Yeah, I just yeah. Wanna, all right, so I just want to make sure. 6'5", 252. 6'5", 252, ran a 4.65 at the Combine. Only two years of high school football. Right. Which so is he's fresh. Which is, is fresh. What did you see on the film? Freak. I mean, this to me, he is definitely one of the top 32 players in the draft. And I know I haven't seen some of the interior offensive line, but it's not going to change it because this is a pass rusher. It's not going to matter. Right. He is definitely one of the most natural pass rushers in the draft. As far as body movements go, like I've told you, Chubb is a better player than Harold Landry. Right. Harold Landry has some very special elite pass rushing skill set that you see out of other elite pass rushers, right? You try to follow formulas from your past mm. that make people successful. Like Von Miller, that's why he was the number two pick in the draft. He said, wow, he's 40. His 10-yard his split's amazing. Yeah. And he can put his right shoulder down to the ground to where he can turn the corner and it's like an inch above his foot, but he's yes. still running 4-5 or five as he's running around the corner. And that's the thing this kid can do. Really? This he's kid got is, Ben like that. He has got tremendous Ben. And, of course, he can set the edge. He's not as strong as a Josh Sweat at the edge. But, again, it's another guy. And I didn't even talk about this with Josh Sweat either. But, like, Josh Sweat, Harold Landry, this guy, Kamako Ture. Am I saying Ture. right? Ture. There, this is the other thing. Like, So the numbers, and then I want to talk about the 10-yard split. Because with this position, the 10-yard split is going to be it's everything. Everything. I mean, nobody, nobody really cares explode? what they run. How do right. they run to the 8-yard point to get to the quarterback, right? right? And these guys have numbers that are like elite NFL receivers in the, in the 10. Wow. But this guy, I don't know why nobody's talked about him. I'm going to Maybe get, it's because they don't want anyone to know well, about I'm him? Well, I'm sure that's the NFL for sure, but I just don't even understand how. The scouts. The scouts, the media people. like Probably because he played for Rutgers. I mean, maybe. But again, the numbers of the combine should lead you at some point to go, I got to watch just because the numbers are so good. And that's what happened with Carl Lawson exactly last year. Exactly right. So I just, at the end, I'm getting to that point where I looked at him and I just said, wow. I mean,. You know, is he as good as Landry or Davenport or Chubb? No. But he is a first-round pass rusher for sure. And I even wrote at the end, I mean, he he he, he could be Yannick Ngakwe. Ooh. He's certainly a better prospect than Ngakwe was coming out. And he's a better prospect than Demarcus Lawrence was as well. Wow. Who was Demarcus end of the first or early second? I think he I was think like he was pick 35, second. right, yes. or something in there. So, to me... Yes, he screams it. He can play 4-3 rush end, which is Yannick Ngakwe, weak side defensive right. end on a 4-3 line. Or he can play a 3-4 outside linebacker. Is Ngakwe your PPC? It, That's it, who... Yeah, I mean, he remind me... Yes, Ngakwe now. Okay. Ngakwe, on coming out in the draft, I saw things that I go, ooh, I like. He's got a pretty good first step. But he ran a 4-7 at the combine, and I was like, man, maybe he's not quite as fast. Yep. This guy I really don't have those questions with. So, there. Again, I mean, he is definitely a top 40 pick. For me... I would look at it, and I'm going to do my mock draft at some point this weekend because I have to do it. 
I mean, he's going to somebody for me in the top. I mean, I mean, it's just when I get down to it, he's going to be somewhere 25 through 32. Put him on the Jaguars. <laughs> they need him. Might as well, right? All right, so that means, guys. Hey, I appreciate that. Or the, I mean, what are the Patriots got? What, 21 and 32? 21 and 32. That's another guy I was just like, damn, I mean, Bill's going to watch this guy and go, okay, he yeah. can 3 4. And we know the that edge. Bill loves Rutgers. R- yes. Uh, so uh, one guy that we think that you believe is a tad overrated is Harrison Phillips. Yeah. One guy that you believe is underrated is Josh Sweat. And and the guy that no one's talking about that Sims is trying to put you on to is Kamoko Toure out of Rutgers. Right. Do not be surprised if he goes early. Yeah. I want to get to some rumors that you're hearing. Yeah. We've already talked about the John Dorsey rumor. Right. You're hearing a little love affair for the Broncos at five. Yeah, the Broncos, I, I have heard that they are all over Denzel Ward at five from Ohio State, who, again, is a phenomenal football player. I mean, phenomenal. And this would be so that they could have the trio of Chris Harris Jr., who they're going to give a little bit more money to, Bradley Roby, and then they would add Denzel Ward to the mix. Yes, and, and, and you know, when I first heard it, I mean, of course, hey, that's great, certainly. This he's guy, not your favorite corner. He's not my favorite corner. You ranked I, him four. I think he's four for me, yes. He's really good. This is a really strong class of some high elite corners. It sounds like the quarterbacks. Just because you have Sam Darnold five, you still have him in the top 20. Exactly right. That's I know. I don't want to sound like I'm trying to be some mean hater here. It's just, yes. It's, it's that's just when people is. see ranks, they go, I know. you like him, you hate exactly him. Exactly right. No, Ward's film is so clean. I just think his game, as translating to the NFL level, is not going to be quite what everybody thinks it was at the college level. Um, and I think he's going to have a – I think at the end of the day he's going to be more of a nickel Chris Harris type of guy, right. which is maybe why they're doing hey, it. Hey, man, it's not bad to have two Chris Harrises on your team. But this kid is like – Ward is a really good football player. He's better than Eli Apple, who was what, the number 10 pick? Yeah, but that – That know, was a bad pick. Yeah. And he's not nearly as good as Marshawn Lattimore to me, who was the – 11 pick. Right. And, you know, again, it, it depends. But, yeah, as an outside corner, I like Ward. But as an outside corner, I don't like him as much as Jair Alexander, Mike Hughes from Central Florida, or my favorite long corner in Carlton Davis. Yes. Uh, that that would be it. But, yeah, I mean, again, I think that's a little high for Denzel. Broncos are going to be so interesting. They especially because, like, if there's trade opportunities, do they want Quentin Nelson to yeah. anchor the line? Right. Do they want a Bradley Chubb if he's still available? Do they go with a quarterback with yeah. all that? I have no idea what the Broncos are doing. I know. Uh, the other rumor that you're hearing is that a guy that one of the greatest coaches in the history of college football said it's one of the best players he's ever coached. Yeah. He's won national championships. Mm-hmm. He has the ability to play multiple positions, and yet that last fact, that he's played multiple positions, could have him fall. Yeah. And his name's Minka Fitzpatrick. Yeah. What are you hearing? Well, yeah, this is, it's not even, it's not like people are going, oh, Chris, he's going to fall. It's more, I'm just reading between the lines of what some of my friends are saying, right? And there's two things that come up when I hear negative talk about Minka Fitzpatrick. What, what position is he? What position is he? So his versatility is actually hurting him. So they're thinking of him as a tweener, not as versatile. Exactly. Which, okay. Okay, right. And to me, he's not a corner, right? That's the first thing. you got to wipe it out of your mind, everybody. He is not a corner in the NFL. He is a... 
he is a Pro Bowl, All Pro free safety that you would bring down in the nickel situation, and he could cover slot receivers because he's very quick. Like a Malcolm and he's a Jenkins type of deal, right? He's a ma- better version of Malcolm Jenkins or a Devin McCourty, right? That's gotcha. who he basically is. You're exactly you think he's right. Better though. than Devin? I do think he is. Wow. Yes, as a physical. What's specimen. the second thing you hear? Well, the second thing I hear is, oh, you know, he's from Alabama, and you know, people are scared of Alabama DBs because I know Landon Collins and oh, Drake Kirkpatrick didn't quite work out. But I understand what they're saying. They're worried about people, you know, people worry about Alabama guys being maxed out. You know, Nick is a, he's a secondary coach. So they go, well, damn, they're good in college, but they've been caught, taught things that NFL players know at the college level. Yeah, but Nick but then talks people, about Minka in a way that I've never no heard doubt. him talk about anybody. No doubt, and I saw anybody. Minka, I mean, I was with Gabe, the cameraman yeah. here, when he had the pick six in the state championship game, right, to help Brandon Winbush and Rashawn Gary and Jabril Peppers. They were all in the field, too. And he stood out, like... He is, and everything you hear from Gabe's school is the kid is like in love with football, obsessed. Oh. But the Bama thing is scaring people, and you know people. Oh, uh, you know, I mean Cyrus Jones and that not working out, and D. Milner. Well, I wanted to go like, damn. You know, first of all, you all They're screwed different. up on Cyrus yes. Jones too. You all were idiots. I don't know what you. I, I don't. I watched the film and said. There's no way I would take him in the first three rounds. But what about D. Milner? D. Milner is the guy D. that Milner, ruined it for a lot of these Alabama guys. I, he did. And I'll say, I'll be the first one. Like D. Milner is a guy I looked at and was like, ooh, he's going to be good. I was working in New England at the time, yeah. and I saw everything that I liked to see. Now, he did have a foot injury, and that's what people forget, too, that kind of derailed things early on in his career. And that is everything. Right. And he didn't even get to he didn't get to go to training camp, and then they threw him out in the middle of the season, and he right. struggled, right. and it all just snowballed from there. So hey, uh, again, but that's what I'm hearing, and if that's so be it, man, somebody outside the top ten is going to get Minka Fitzpatrick, who for my money is one of the most can't miss prospects in the draft. Awesome. All right, we have one thing left, Sims. Shaquem Griffin. Oh, you baby. You just watched him. Yeah. We made a little news here when I kind of went and defended Shaquem Griffin. He ran a 4-3-8. He put up darn near, what was it, 20 bench reps? I got gotcha. you. Yeah. I think it was 21, I want to say, but. I feel like it might have been 19. I don't know. Either way, it was uh, impressive. He is uh, the one-armed football player that was on the UCF undefeated Golden he Knights. Has an ar- he has two arms. He has one hand. Correct. I apologize. Yeah. Um, but a lot has been made about what he could be. He came out on Bleacher Report with an article and was like, you can keep doubting me if you want. He put up 20 reps in the bench press. Uh, but Sims, I've been waiting for this. Yep. You actually watched the film. I did. And what did you take away? Well, I mean, he's a... He pops off the screen. His athleticism is, I mean, it's like watching Minka Fitzpatrick. I mean, it's it's that explosive. He just moves differently than everybody His else. His straight-ahead explosion and speed is every bit of four three eight. Like he ran. It wasn't just like oh he he trained with a good trainer and or 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 you know maybe it was just his adrenaline pumping. Yeah, oh, it was a no big one day. else has adrenaline, but for him, yeah, it just happened to be yeah. on that day. His was pumping harder. Uh, so no, the the speed translates. So that's there. It's there. Okay. Now the, he's a projection. It's a little bit like Hassan. Last year, right? Gotcha. Well, maybe I'm wrong about it. You know, I love at 200. How much does he weigh, Fender? 227. He ain't playing defensive end in the NFL. Freak, no. <laughs> Again. There was a YouTube Very comment. Good. Is Sims trying to watch his language? I am more? because Joe Yenarell is on my case. <laughs> so, so this is this is the middle linebacker guy. This is a That's, middle gotcha. linebacker guy. Yes. He is more he is right. All right, so to, to put it into context of what you're saying, he's the same size as Landon Collins. He's mm. smaller than Cam Chancellor. 
So that does not scream defense end to me, okay? And the defense end thing, and I'm not trying to be funny here, the one-hand thing is going to be an issue at the defense end thing or even outside linebacker. What did you see on the film in which the hand was an issue? Okay, so rushing from the right side of the defense. The okay. right side of the defense, the left offensive tackle, right? Gotcha. He, which hand is he missing? He's missing his left hand. Okay. So that inside arm, he can't do the inside push. Push. With that arm off that side. And again, I'm not trying to be funny here. No, but you're, that's, this it's is a, a true knock. Report. It's a true knock. So the, the thing that I see a lot of defensive linemen do where they do a stiff like arm Like the Khalil Mack, right? Yes. That's, he's the master of that. Let me get low, and I'm going to put my inside arm into your front shoulder. My question is, is he trying to do that move? He does it on the other side with the good hand. Okay. But he's not going to be able to do it, which is going to take one thing off his resume to where offensive tackles go, I don't have to worry about that. Gotcha. So I don't have so to worry about setting for that. Shrinks. Exactly right. Setting the edge from the outside, it's going to be an issue. When Rob Gronkowski gets his hands on this guy, if he's playing outside linebacker, Rob Gronkowski is going to own him. If I'm, he's still playing. If he's still playing. I'm just or, or whatever. Any yeah, big tight know, end, right. but I know you're being funny. And. And and you see it enough in college to where you go, ooh, I don't like that. Okay. All right? So now, he's all over the place, and he is so explosive, and he's fun to watch. But, yes, he's more Ryan Shazier or Telvin Smith. Mm. And Can, will he? Will the hand be an issue at that position? There's going to be – it's going to be an issue. This is where I think teams will chicken out who are going to like him and maybe want to do that because they're going to go, damn – Am I really going to draft a guy with one hand? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm like, that's going to be a real question. Yeah, of course. And they're also going to be like, damn, you know, gosh, if he misses that big tackle in the AFC divisional game, everyone's going to call. Everyone's going to go. I mean, you drafted a guy with one hand. What'd you expect? So it's very shallow. But uh, these are some shallow people making these decisions too. Yeah. So that has to be taken into account. You're, you're yeah. evaluating the player. You're evaluating yeah. the player. But man, if you put him in the middle of the field and let him go be Ryan Shade, I mean, he is he is fearless hitter. Mm. He's got great instincts. And there's really nothing athletically not to like about him. It's just going to be you have to have a plan for him. Talent wise. He can almost be a nickel back if you want to go big nickel. Sure. He's going to be a great blitzer. Like an occasional blitzer, yeah. or what I call a green dogger, right? Like I'm covering the tailback man to man. He's blocking, and now I'm going to fly in. Right. And all of a sudden, the quarterback's like, Why? I didn't see you blitzing. And right. all you get hit. He's going to be great at all that. Talent wise, yeah. what range are you putting him in? I, I, th- I wrote he, he's got to go in the top 45. Wow. Yeah. So that's a top two round pick. Definitely. He's got, he has to. How high could he go? I mean,. I mean, I wouldn't be mad at somebody taking him at the end of the first, something like that. I don't think it'll happen. You know, this is other. He's going to the draft, so I took that into account. I mean, he t- he's going to the draft. Somebody so you go to the draft. What they do yeah. is they pull a lot of the NFL teams mm-hmm. and they see what range they think you're going to go in. And if a lot of NFL teams are saying, "I have a first round, second round grade," you might get an invitation. Right. right. And if he's getting an invitation... That means the teams have called him in their agent, basically, and already said, like, listen, if you're there at 38, we're taking you. If you're Are there, you sure, though, it's not like ESPN or the NFL Network being like, this kid is a talk... Like, we, we know we're going to talk about That's him. exactly what I thought. I mean, I thought the same thing. Yeah, I went into this with a negative mindset. Like, right. I'm, I'm going to watch a one-handed outside linebacker. Right. Like, it's a right. sideshow. Right. Like, yeah. like, okay. And But no, he's a, he is legit. I mean, he really yes. is. So I'm so happy I went yeah. on that rant. Good. You are. It was a great rant. He's yeah. a really good football player. You just got to figure out what you want to do with him. Maybe he's 
Cam Chancellor. Maybe that's what I, you know, one of the funny things I wrote, I was like, damn, if his brother was as fast as he was, he would have been a first round corner. Mm. <laughs> but it's yeah. true, because I remember around the combine, he was being asked by the media a lot about switching to safety, and he didn't want to have anything to do with it. Yeah. I think position changes around the draft. People get very stubborn. Yeah. They're being evaluated all the time. It's a lot. Once you get to the team, and you're out there with the players, and you see how big defensive linemen are in the NFL, right. and we're all it changes under, your perspective. Yeah, exactly. And we're all underestimating, as you guys know, because you've seen left tackles in the NFL. It's insane. They are truly walking out of a cave. Like, they're cavemen. Okay, yes. and then their short area quickness and stuff is what I don't think everybody always realizes. At like, that weight, at to be able to weight, move that at three thirty, some of these elite left tackles, you know, you could take some of the best guards in the NBA, and they'd go, "Damn, I'm having a hard time getting around them in one on one basketball." Yeah. That's how athletically gifted they are. I mean, yeah. So I don't think he could be that outside linebacker, pass rusher type because against those guys, first of all, the size. Once they get used to his speed and see it, and of course all week everybody's going to go, they're going to put their corners over there yes. to rush, and then they're going to get to the game and go, oh, okay, this what is What kind no of defensive systems would he fit in the best? Yeah, I, I mean... Like team-wise. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, I, I think of Cam Chancellor and that type of thing. Seattle. Right. Jacksonville with a Telvin Smith. I mean, he's... He is a he's going to fit in any system other than I think a true three four. So what? So I could see maybe a Rams uh, and what they're doing with Mark Barron and kind of the fast guys. That's there. right. I mean, this maybe is maybe a Todd Bowles in New York, maybe in Arizona. Yeah, I got I got a piece together needs and all that, yeah. which I haven't quite got there but you yet. See him as a possible end of the first round pick. Yes, he's right, definitely so, one of the forty five best specimens in the draft. All right, Shaquem ba- Shaquem Griffin. We gave you some Kamoko Toure, uh, some Josh Sweat. I think this has been a great show. The thing uh, it has been a good show. This good a, one. The thing what I think people are I'm missing. Said I didn't tell Phil what Peter King said, but I also we also didn't tell Phil about Joe Montana. Do we tell Phil that we're doing this or no? Well, yeah, no. Let's the hell with Phil. We don't need to tell him. We'll tell him, we'll we'll tell him the once we get it going. He, but the, this is the cool thing. Big Phil's paying attention to us, though, because he knew we had Joe Montana on the pod, on the pod last week. Yeah, Who do you think's from telling Barbados. Him? I think my mom has the Instagram. Okay, I was going to so, say, I think your sister is on Instagram. And she and is, she too. Right. Definitely, right. Definitely yes. yes, but she wasn't with them last week, so he was uh, obviously okay. doing it with Someone just knew. my mom. Right. Yep. Yeah. Anything else? Doing it with just my mom in Barbados. That's it. <laughs> and that is the end of the show. Thank you guys for listening. We will see you for the NFL Draft. <laughs> Anything else? Nope. No. That's it. Monday, we are going to have Sam Darnold on set with Sam Darnold's mom. Can't wait. Look, I've thought about it. I'm not roasting Sam Darnold. We we're don't have a, we're, we're gonna, I'm going to let Sims teach Sam Darnold. That's Whatever. what we're going to do. Maybe we can, he can teach us how to be cool. And, I'm going to work on my chin. Yeah, you I'm going to get no, a chin plant. No chance. Uh, and then Tuesday, we're going to have some phone calls with who? we got a lot scheduled for next week. Damn, we got we Bradley do. Chubb. we got Derwin James. We have Josh Rosen uh, yeah. working on Josh Allen. That's not confirmed yet. So these but. are all cool phone conversations. That will likely come out Tuesday. And then Wednesday, we're going to be doing a crossover pod with the guys from Stick to Football. I am going to be the GM. Sims is going to be our director of pro player personnel. Matt Miller is going to be our lead. Of college scouting, yes. and then we're gonna have Connor Rogers as our regional scout. I'm gonna be in a meeting, and Fetch is gonna be working. <laughs> and we're gonna go through the top five picks, and they need to convince me in 15 minutes who each team should take. It's gonna be fun. And then Thursday, why watch the draft on ESPN and only hear about Josh Allen for an hour <laughs> when you can join us on Bleacher Report Facebook Live? It's me, Sims, and Miller, and it's 
unfiltered, it's honest, and we're just doing every single pick for the first round. It's going to be fun, and then why not come back and join us on Friday for the second I, and third? I'm too. glad you got your cough away. Okay, good, because yeah, you're healing. holding it in right now. I can I'm tell not, you're about to I'm cough. Not. But I do want to say one more thing about my friends of Jacqueline Charity that I'm sure. involved in. I'm going to throw it one more time for because it. it's a very good cause. And yes. I'm, I'm trying to help people out. But again, friends of Jacqueline, uh, I, I'm trying to you know host a event and uh, it's a great charity. It's I'm trying not to read charity. off the script here either way, but it's helping kids overcome cancer, helping their family, helping them live out their dreams. We had a kid, young Charlie, in here Who's the who man? came up, uh, had a brain tumor, and he's doing great. But again, if you could donate money to it, we're not going to be we're not going to be mad at you. I have the website. Please give it to us because I butchered it last time. Bit.do/slash/helpcure. Bit.do/slash/helpcure. Cure. Help cure. C-U-R-E. Yes. Help cure. Bit.do slash help cure. Yes. Friends of Jacqueline. I didn't know that Sims could be a good guy, but he's being a great one. And you should support what he supports. Friends of Jacqueline. Thank you, Captain. Yes. <laughs> for Sims. Peace out, homies. For Fedrick. Good night, everybody. And for the L-E-F-K-O-E. Man. I say good night, good evening, and good day. We will holler at you later. Happy draft. We're a week away. See you soon.